I want to share a little bit of my testimony. I, I don't know that I've ever really shared my testimony like on Sunday morning. I've shared bits and pieces, and I'm not going to tell you the whole uh, story today. But I just want to share a little bit. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I think last Sunday or whatever, I was raised uh, in a family of seven, and I was second to last. I had uh, five older siblings raised in the country. Everybody around us had big families. Our source of entertainment was playing in the rice fields, swimming in the bayous, and uh, catching snakes. They didn't have Xbox. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, at the age of 11, we were fishing at a pond near our house, and my brother's we're sharing a cigarette that smelled different than any cigarette I had ever smelled before. And it didn't have a filter on it, but I saw some of the older ones that rolled their own. But so I began inquiring. So my brothers had a plan. They were going to let me smoke some of that cigarette so I couldn't tell my mama anything about it. So that day, I took my first puff on a joint of marijuana. I was 11 years old. From 11 years old, I started smoking pot, which led to other things, which led to more drugs. And so from 11 years old to the age of 22, I was on drugs. Not proud of that. I wish I could go back and turn turn that around. I was just thinking last week of, man, how I could have did a better job even in school if I'd have been sober. But after I finished high school, I went to work in the oil field. That's what you did. And uh, everybody was making a lot of money, so I decided I was going to do that. And I did. I went to work in the oil field, got a good job, was making a lot of money. But I continued the life of drinking and drugging. And by the age of 22, I got tired of that lifestyle. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever got tired of that? I got tired of that lifestyle and I began desiring and hungering something else in life. It's like, man, there got to be more to life than this. And so one day, my oldest brother invited me to a production at his church that he was going to. Or, excuse me, that his brother-in-law was going to. And he invited me to go. It was a, a production called Toymaker and Son. Anybody ever heard that? Toymaker's Dream, ever heard about that? Well... It was a production that depicted two people that were uh, whose lives were being controlled by two different masters. Eric True kind of touched on it a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about the puppet on the strings. And it's listen, I'm not 22 anymore. So it's been a few days ago and I don't remember fully what it was about. But I tell you what I got out of it. There were two people that were puppets on some strings. One mastered by Satan, and one mastered by Jesus Christ. And they depicted the life that a person lives who's controlled by Satan, and they depicted a life who's controlled by Jesus. And as this production unfolded, it became very evident to me I was on the wrong puppet string. I was being controlled by the wrong person. Come on, come on, help me out. Say, amen, I know, I I understand. And so then after the production, the pastor popped up and he began explaining. 
He began explaining salvation, how you can, how you can be born again. And he brought me to this. He, he brought out the scripture in, in John three, verse three. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so he told us how every person that was interested in being Controlled by Jesus Christ could make a decision today to get set free from the power and the control of the enemy and be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that you were willing to repent of your sins, turn your life to turn, turn your life over to God, that God would come into your life and change your life. And so he said, bow your head with me and let's pray. And he said, if that's you, I want you to stand up right where you are. And it was if somebody was behind me and they grabbed me by my belt and they pulled me up. And next thing I knew, I was standing up. And then my next thought is, oh, my goodness, I'm the only heathen in the room. And then my buddy, Doug, who was with me, he, he stood up, too. And it's like, oh, praise God, I'm not by myself. And then after a while, a number of people stood up. So they invited us to come forward. They led us in a prayer. And that day, tears rolling down my face. I felt the love of God for the first time like that in ever, ever in my life. Amen. John 3, 3 became another turning point verse in my life. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I'll be eternally grateful for First Assembly of God in New Iberia. And my brother and sister-in-law who invited me, and I think their daughter is here. Is that you, Tori? By the way, her and Chris engaged to get married. Amen. But it's her mom and dad. That invited me and that day my life changed. I learned a lesson through that experience. I learned a lesson whenever I got saved. Come on, how many of you have been saved? How many of you have been born again? I'm not talking about going to church. I mean genuinely, Jesus came in. Amen? Well, you know, Jesus, I learned that Jesus is in the life-changing business. Jesus changes lives. And, you know, I learned that when you truly repent of your sins... And you surrender your heart to Jesus, something supernatural happens in your life. Let me just talk about, can I talk about that just a little bit? See, Jesus began to break old sinful habits and evil desires in my life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. After I became a Christian, these old sinful, evil habits of drinking and drugging, they begin to fade away. They didn't have as much power and control over my life. And you know, something else is that that old ungodly behavior of anger and lying and cheating and hatred and prejudice and, and perverted speech and worldly desires begin to change in my life. Come on, can you all relate to that? Listen, after I prayed that prayer, that drama production, I had no intention in changing my life one bit. I mean, I just went, I wanted to be a nice guy. I wanted to be a nice brother to my brother who invited me and just say, let's come on, Doug. I got to go to church, man. Just, to, you know, my brother asked me to go. Would you come with me? Doug's like, all right, man, I'll come. So he came because I asked him to come and we had no clue what was about to happen. And by the way, Doug's still here in the church. Doug and Lynette Renard, if you know him. We got saved the same night, and we've been friends since, since first grade, and uh, we got a chance to get saved that same night. But after I prayed that prayer, somehow 
I couldn't enjoy the things I enjoyed before. I couldn't enjoy the same heathenistic ways I enjoyed before. Something happened to me. You know, a few weeks later, I went back to a bar that I frequented. And I went back to just have a good time. Although my heart was not totally in it, that's all I knew. Weekends, you go, you go juking and diving, snorting and spitting and all that stuff, you know. That's all I knew. I didn't want to sit home, so I went to the club. But this time, something happened. You know, in, in the bars, they make it real dark. They dim the lights. It's a good place for the enemy to work in darkness, you know what I mean? But it was like the light had come on. It's like I could see it better than I could before. Something had happened to my insides that I could see what was going on around me different than I saw it before. And one of y'all out there? And amazingly, I couldn't enjoy. You know, I went to the bar and I got me a, a drink and I held that drink all night because I didn't want it. I didn't want to get intoxicated. And, and I was just like, you know, things that were happening and the way the behavior, people were laughing at nothing. And I was just like, man, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. Is this what I've been doing? Are you kidding me? So all of a sudden, man, things was changing in my life. And I had to leave early and I went home early. You know what happened? The power of sin began to lose its hold on my life. The Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 4, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Excuse me, verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Come on, if you know God's grace that you receive at salvation will change your desires and your habits in your life. The incorruptible seed of God gets in your life and changes you. When you become a Christian, a spiritual transformation takes place. And there's a whole new level of living that you never experienced before. So number one, it's salvation. Number one, Jesus broke, began to break all sinful habits and desires off my life. But number two, Jesus, whenever you have that salvation, that born again experience, Jesus gives you brand new habits and desires. It's not just what fell off of my life. It's what came on my life. Amen. Second Corinthians 517 says, when if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things pass away. But behold, all things become new. And so all of a sudden, when you become a genuine Christian, something happens inside and you have an increasing heart for God and less of a desire for the things of the world. You start to love people more than you loved them before. I mean, you can't understand it, but you start hungering to read the Bible, to pray, to hang around Christians. Your heart to serve God begins to grow and all of a sudden your, your priorities switch up and change up and there's a whole transformation that takes place in your life. And by the way, you become way more fulfilled in life. See, part of the thing that brought me to salvation was it was empty, man. I was tired of just living a drinking, drugging life that was so empty and I was, I was ready for something more. Whenever you get saved, something happens on the inside of you. 
You have purpose. You feel more fulfilled. See, at salvation, Jesus allows you to experience the provisions of his kingdom. He allows you to experience his kingdom. In John 3, 3, when Jesus told Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, who went to Jesus by night because he was ashamed to go to him by day. But whenever he went, he said to him, Master, I know that you, something special about you by what you're doing. How do you get this stuff? And Jesus said in verse 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Notice he didn't say unless one goes to church. Notice he didn't say unless one has Christian parents or grandparents. He said unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But you know what happens when you get born again? You begin to see the kingdom of God. Amen. God gives you a brand new nature and life in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new, one verse says creature, but another verse says creation. How many of you know that God makes the old person totally just begin to, to fall away and a whole new person comes up on the inside of you? Amen. A whole new person. You know, not a remodeled life. He doesn't remodel your life. He doesn't refurbish your life like an old piece of antique that's still an old piece of antique. No, he makes it new, brand new. Amen. If you're ever in need of a car, how many of you would prefer a brand new car over a remodeled car? Well, it's got new tires on it. Well, what's that all leaking underneath that? Well, it's got new tires. I put some of that new smell in the inside. It smells like a new car, got new tires on it. Yeah, but well, what's that all leaking underneath it? Come on, how many of you prefer a brand new car? A brand new car where all the, you know, the odometer is at zero. Amen. And everything is shiny. And every, how many of you prefer that new car over that used car? Listen, when Jesus said, when you become a Christian, he don't make you a, a refurbished old car. He makes you a brand new car. He gives you a brand new life. He takes that old man and buries him somewhere and gives you a whole new life. A whole new lease on life. I'm talking about the gospel, brothers and sisters. The gospel is powerful. Amen. God makes our life a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us as, an, as, as us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. We're a masterpiece. You know what a masterpiece is? When someone or something has been sculpted by a master skilled artist or, or skilled uh, you know, person and has given much work and attention to a project and they make this thing some magnificent end product and we say, wow, man, that is a masterpiece. I'm telling you, the master craftsman, Jesus himself, he don't make a rough object. He don't make a rough sculpture. He makes our life a masterpiece. He makes our life a shining masterpiece where the world looks at it and says, man, there's something about that art. There's something about that life that is worth noting, that is worth looking at. Who made that life? And we could say it's the master craftsman that made that life. Amen. Jesus is the master craftsman. God gives us spiritual authority and power. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 5, 4, 
Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. How many of you know your faith gives you victory? Through our faith, God gives us spiritual authority to overcome in life. See, whenever before I was saved, I suffered with identity problems, with rejection, with feeling like a failure, all those sorts of stuff. But you know what? Whenever you get born again and you become that new creature inside, all of a sudden you have power over rejection. You have power over failure. You have power over what your teacher told you in grade school. You have power over what the neighborhood kids might have said to you. When the Spirit of God comes into your life, you overcome the fear of man. Man and the and the rejection of man, the influence of Satan's power is broken off your life, and all of a sudden you have a new boldness, a new confidence, and a new spiritual authority. The seed of the Spirit of God comes down on the inside of you because you're born of the Spirit of God, and you get set free. Amen. Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, "I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy." Come on, listen. It's like having it's having supernatural grace in your life. To, it's like having a reinforced artillery, reinforced army on your side as you go to battle in life. There's no way you can lose. There's no way that you have to suffer defeat because Jesus gives us the victory through our faith. See, genuine Christians receive brand new lives filled with the power and the authority of the kingdom of God. That's what happened in my life. When I became a born again Christian, something began to change in my life. Something happened to me. You know, the second lesson I learned through that experience is careful attention must be given to work out our salvation. We got to work it out. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not in, only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Somebody said, you know what? We need to work out the salvation that God works in us. We got to work it out. See, God's salvation works in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit But salvation is worked out as we continue to yield and submit to the Holy Spirit. And so listen, I found out that you got to work it out. Listen what this verse says. Hebrews 2 and 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so we don't drift away. But if you know, you can drift away. Listen, I found out the hard way that your heart can drift away from God. Your heart can drift. And listen, after being safe for some time and my old habits, my old desires, my life totally changed. And man, I was really enjoying this new life. I was enjoying this new life in Christ. And so I started coasting. I just started relaxing and I started enjoying this new life in Christ. But you know what happened? As I began drifting, I slowly quit reading my Bible. I started finding, you know, I didn't, ha- I need, I didn't need a big excuse to miss church. Just if the sun was out, that's a good reason not to go to church. If it's cloudy, that's a good reason not to go to church. How many of you know that's pretty much it right there? But I quit faithfully attending church. I quit hanging around with other believers. I didn't need it anymore because my life was changed. Life was good, man. God was blessing my life. So, you know, my heart began to drift away. From God and the things of God. 
But you know what? The next thing I knew, some of the things that God had delivered me from started creeping back into my life. Some of the old evil desires started coming back. Come on. Am I talking to the right people in here? You know what I found out is that, listen, you can't coast in your walk with God. You can't put it on cruise control, man. Amen. Come on. You can't put it on automatic pilot. You got to work out your salvation. Next thing I knew, I started giving in the temptation that had overcome. I started giving, I started doing things that I quit doing. My speech went back to normal. I started acting like the heathen I was before I got saved. So I did the only thing I knew to do. God, help me. I don't want to go back to that old life. It's empty. It's nothing. I don't want to go back there, Lord. Please, Lord, don't let me go back there. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, I know there's a big argument about eternal salvation and all that. I'm just telling you, when you allow your heart to drift away from God, you will be given over to your old ways of living again. So I did the only thing I do. I cried out to God. And in my despair, here's another transformational scripture. In my despair, I began reading my Bible again. And I came across this verse, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, when I read that verse, no one can serve two masters. You know, to me, you know, I was thinking, okay, you got to decide right here and right now. Are you going to serve God or you're not going to serve God? Are you going to live for God or you're not going to live for God? See, to serve means to submit to, to give authority over your life to, to love the most. And so listen, I learned through that scripture that our hearts have the ability to only love one thing at a time. You cannot serve, you cannot obey, you cannot love two things at one time. Jesus says, listen, you cannot love God and you love money at the same time. You're going to love one and hate the other or despise the other. In verse 24, he says, you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And you see, this is what I found out. You can't truly love two things at one time. You can only love one thing at a time. See, like a husband, a spouse, a wife, whenever they fall in love, whenever they start having an affair, they say, well, I don't love my spouse anymore. Well, I know why. Because you're starting to love something else. That's why. You can't love your wife and somebody else. You can't love your husband and somebody else. God gave you enough love to love your spouse. Love your spouse, man. Amen. That's a little marriage thing right there. Amen. But listen, our hearts only have the ability to love one thing. It's designed to handle one true love at a time. Amen. The second thing I learned through that experience, it's the ordinary things that steal our affection from God. It's the ordinary things. Listen, 1 John 5.21. We, we talked about this in the men's encounter. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Things can take God's place in your hearts. God says through John, be careful not to allow anything or anyone to steal your allegiance, your love, and your affection away from the Lord. Don't let anything come in the way. 
Listen, it's the simple, ordinary things of life that can steal our affection from God. Like the love and pursuit of money, the love and pursuit of a career, the love of a hobby. And you can lose your love for God over golf game. The love of sports, the business and distraction of life. You know, I talked to a pastor the other day. He said, I hate NFL. I said, well, man, I thought you were a Cowboys fan. He said, I am, but I hate it. I said, why? My attendance in church goes down when NFL starts. People stay home and barbecue and watch the game. 2 Timothy 3.1, but realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, there's a problem. What steals our affection from the Lord is the love of money, the love of self, and the love of pleasure. All you have to do is like to have pleasure for your heart to drift away from God. You can like God, but you won't love God. Oh, yeah, I like God. He's cool. Well, God don't say like me. He says love me. Amen. First John 2.15. Don't love the world. Don't love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When you fall in love with the world and the things of the world, you lose your love for God. Listen, we need to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. The world will steal your affection away from God. James said, you've committed adultery on the Lord when you allow yourself to fall in love with the world and the things of the world. So Paul tells Timothy, this love of the world, the things of the world, can steal your love for God. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Are y'all receiving this this morning? See, we need to... We need to be wise. The third lesson I learned from that scripture in Matthew 6 is this. Satan uses the influence of the world to steal our hearts away from the Lord. He uses the world. How many of you know the world is his system? God has a kingdom and it's not of this world, but Satan has a kingdom and it is of this world. And Satan uses this world to steal the hearts away from the Lord. And so we got to be, we got to remember that. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Satan used the allurements of the, of this world to try to steal Jesus's heart away from the father. Listen to what he says in Luke four or five. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. He just like, he took him to a, a high rise pinnacle. And he said, look at this, man. Look at Las Vegas. Look at New York. Look at San Francisco. Look at New Orleans. Look at Miami. Look at all the world. Look at all the buildings. Look at all the glitter. Look at all the fame. Look at all the stars. Look at all Hollywood. Look at all of it. Look at the glitter, the glamour. Look at it all. I'll give it all to you. I'll give it all to you. In verse 6, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. If you will worship me. You know what? If Satan can't try to keep you out of heaven, he'll try to get you a worshiper of him as you bow to the idol of the world. He says, it's all mine to give you. 
Come on, you want power and fame and success and all this stuff? I'll give it to you if you will just turn your back on Jesus and worship me instead of him. Come on. How many of you know that Satan is still using that same tactic today? And listen, Satan went to Jesus, the son of God. You know where I think Satan goes and uses the lurement of the world to try to coerce people's hearts away from Jesus? He goes to the church. Well, he's already got them heathen already locked up, man. They're going to, they're going to church on Friday night, Saturday night. Amen. They're having communion at his bar. Come on, are y'all with me out there? He don't need a mess with them, so he comes after the church. And he says, man, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, let's go to Mardi Gras. I better keep going. I just feel like maybe I might be getting in trouble there. See, listen, it don't take much, saints. This is what I want to encourage you with this morning. There's a thing in the Bible called carnal Christians. Carnal Christians means they're fleshly Christians. They're Christians, but they're totally dominated and operated by the flesh. And their flesh goes from pleasure to pleasure, from entertainment to entertainment, from worldly thing to worldly thing. But all the while, friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. See, when people say, you know, you know what you notice when people start getting lured by the world, the first thing they do is start criticizing the church. They start criticizing Christians and calling them judgmental, critical, fault finding and all this stuff. You know why? Because they can't love the people of God anymore. They got to love the people of the world because they got their heart off track. Amen. So listen, we need to keep our heart right with God. Listen, I know this is tight this morning. But you know what? I believe it's right. Amen. I believe it's right. Come on. Are you all with me? And listen, I love you. And I don't want you to go off track. Because I believe there's a high price to pay. You know, a number of years ago, Tanya and I got married. I was in the ministry. And I just started getting a lot of projects around the house. I was building stuff. And I had, I started getting my schedule full of activity, hobbies, projects, stuff like that. To the point where Sabbath, see my, I had to work on Sunday, so I had to take a day off somewhere else where it got filled with hobbies, with projects where I wasn't resting anymore. And all my free time was busy. And all of a sudden I woke up one day and it's just like, why I don't have any fire in my life anymore? Why I don't have any, why I don't feel the presence of God anymore? Why am I not getting ministered to by the scripture anymore? Why is it that I can't wait to hurry up and get to church and hurry up and leave church? Why I'm not excited about going to church. And the Lord brought me to that scripture in John. Don't let anything take God's place in your heart. See, it wasn't wasn't adultery. It wasn't, you know, some outlandish, sinful thing. 
It was just getting distracted in life. Remember when Jesus talked about those seeds? First, when he said Satan comes and snatches it so they can't believe. The second one, he says it starts growing up. But because they don't get rooted, the sun comes out, it scorches them. As soon as they get a little trouble, they give up and they give in. The third one, he says it starts growing and it looks profitable. It looks like it's going to be successful. And then, then thorns start growing up around it, choke it out, and it dies. And Jesus said, you know what those thorns represents? The cares and the pleasures of life. The cares and the pleasures of life. You see, so brothers and sisters, God is saying to us today, whenever you become born again, it's a magnificent thing. The kingdom of God comes on the inside of you. But whenever you're saved, it's not over. Work it out. Give it attention. Make it a priority. Keep it first in your life. Don't let the lure of money or fame or career or anything steal your heart away from God. Keep your heart blazing for him. How many of you know that's where God's grace and favor flows? Amen. And so the third and, and uh, third thing I learned through these life experiences was God made provisions to get right and to keep your heart right. Amen. That's the great news. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are born with a sinful nature. None of us are born right with God. None of us are. Every last one of us needs to be born again. You need to have a spiritual birth. And the enemy would like to make confuse you and make you think going to church is spiritual birth. It's not spiritual birth. You need to be born of above. You need to, you need to get your heart and your life right with God. Amen. First John 1 12 says, yet all who received him to them, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The spirit of God is constantly working and tugging on the hearts of those those that are not yet saved, that are not yet Christians. The Spirit is saying, you, my friend, need to give your life to me. You, my friend, need to repent and turn to me so that my seed can come into your life and so your life can be not remodeled or refurbished so you can have a brand new life in Christ. Amen. And so listen, it's available for everybody and everybody hearing my voice today. If you're not saved, if you don't know without the shadow of a doubt, don't leave this place. Don't let the enemy rob you from it. Don't let the enemy steal the seed like a bird out of your mouth. You just give your heart and your life to Jesus today. And the uncorruptible seed of the word of God comes on the inside of you. And the resurrecting power of the spirit of God comes on the inside of you. And your life will be miraculously and super naturally change for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Anybody that's happened to say amen. Is that right? Or is that right? Say amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. But listen, not only do you get saved, you need to keep your heart on the right track. You can drift. Heart can go away. Revelations 2, 4. Remember the church. He said, man, I see a lot of great things, but I have this complaint. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. So he said, look up where you fall and turn back to me and do the works you did at first. See, the number one commandment is love God with all our heart, mind and soul. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And so listen, it's my job to stay in love with Tanya. It's not her job. It's my job. She is my wife and it's my job to stay in love with her. Don't y'all agree? Come on. Don't y'all agree? Don't y'all agree? I better get with it. Amen. 
Let's talk about you now. No, it's my job, isn't it? It's our jobs as married people to stay in love with each other. It's not somebody else's job. It's our job. I can't blame her if I fall out of love with her and start chasing some other young tail. It's my job. Amen? And it's our job to stay in love with Jesus. It's not my job as the pastor. It's your job as a believer. I can encourage you. I can try to motivate you. But whenever it comes down to it, the commandment, the first commandment, the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's my job to stay in love with Jesus. And whatever stealing my love and my affection from him, I need to put it on the second shelf and I need to put Jesus back on the top shelf. Amen? Do you all agree with that? Come on, stand with me. Let's close in prayer. Let's close in prayer. Come on, let's pray. Bow your head with me. Let's pray. This is serious business. We're talking about life and death here. Come on, bow your head with me and just begin to pray and say, God, come. God, come in this room. Fill this room. Fill this room with your presence right now. Fill this room with your grace right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, come on. We need to get right and keep right with God. Everybody needs to be born again. Everybody needs to be saved. Listen, I went to church countless times before I had an experience with God. But it didn't, it didn't transform my life until I got born again. Until I turned to God with all my heart and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I am and I need forgiveness. You might be here today and you say, Todd, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. And this is what I feel this morning. Let's take all doubt away. If there's any hint of doubt, the enemy would like us to stay right where we are and not move a muscle. And Jesus is saying, come on, let's make sure today. If you're here today and you say, Todd, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm born again. Or maybe you're here today and you say, I've just been battling with knowing whether I'm a Christian. Would you pray for me today so I can know without a doubt? If that's you, raise your hand. Don't be shamed. Don't be embarrassed. Just raise Raise your hand and raise it high. Raise it high. There you go. I see your hand way back there. I see your hand. Anybody else? Spirit of God, move. Come on, those of you that raise your hand. I want you to not be bashful or shame. Just raise your hand and raise both hands so I can see it. So I can see it. And I want to pray for you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now listen, if you're here today, if you're here today, Simone, I missed somebody's hand. Raise your hand. Ma'am, I see your hand right back here. Anybody else? Come on. Now listen, if you're here today and you say, Todd, you know, I quit reading my Bible. I allowed my heart to drift. I want you to bow your head. No looking around. I want you to bow your head. Let's give each other some privacy right now. Jesus told the church, repent. And go back and do the things you did at first. Repent means to have a change of heart, a turn of a change of life, a change of direction, a change of mind saying, I'm going the wrong way. I need to go back towards God. If you hear today and you say, Todd, I've allowed my heart to drift and I want to just, I don't want, I don't want all these bad things to come, all these bad habits, evil desires to creep back into my life. I want to give my heart and life back to Jesus afresh today. If that's you, raise your hand, raise your hand. 
Come on, you got to break through pride. 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 You got to make a decision today. I need to get right with God. Come on, stop using excuses. Stop giving the enemy ground in your life. Just decide today that I'm giving my heart back to Jesus. I'm turning back to Him today. And I'm not allowing a person or a thing or a situation or a circumstance to take Jesus' first place in my life. Now, would you all just lift your hands right now and surrender to the Lord. If you have the liberty, if you have the grace, I'm raising my hands today because every day is a new day. That I need to surrender, turn my heart over to Jesus. Come on, the good things is God is a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And thank God, He gives us a fresh start every day. His mercy is new this morning. I can start all over today. That's the good news. Amen. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus. God, you would forgive us for allowing our hearts to wander. To allowing our hearts to stray. God, we want to be in love with you. We want to love you. We don't want to date you. We don't want to flirt with you. We don't want to have multiple lovers. We want you and only you to be the God of our lives. And so today, God, we make a fresh commitment. We make a fresh declaration today. As for me and my life, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to love Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my might. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, forgive us, God. Cleanse our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us a fresh start today. How many of you believe God hears our prayer today? Now, come on, just begin to receive the love of God. Come on, let's make a fresh commitment. Yield to God right where you are. Surrender to God and say, God, I want all my heart to be yours. I want all my heart to be yours. I want to give my my whole life to you, Lord. Father God, come and take over. Capture me 
with grace Cause I need you Jesus To come to my rescue Where else can I go There's no other name by which I am has nothing for me. I will follow you. This world has nothing for I will follow you. This world has nothing for I will follow you. This world has nothing for Come on, how many of you say, I will follow you, Lord? I will follow you. Capture me with your grace. That's a good line there. Capture me with your grace so that I can follow you. Listen, it's not just good enough to be saved. We got to work it out. Amen. Work it out. Work out what God works in. And I promise you, you'll never be disappointed. You'll never be sorry that you invested the time, the energy, and the effort to stay in love with Jesus. Amen.